we're still trying to figure out the mess that is the ACC Coastal. But the Tar Heels are undefeated, and they've got a big chance to build on that lead Saturday night when they host Pitt. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, October 27th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and you hear the throat problems going on. I apologize, everyone. Thank you for bearing with me. And I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that the show is free and available anywhere you get podcasts and you can subscribe right now to make sure you don't miss a second of your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, which has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. It is a Locked On crossover here with Nick Fairbaugh from Locked On Pit. I am Isaac Shade from Locked On Tar Heels ahead of this big ACC Coastal matchup coming up on Saturday night on the ACC Network. And Nick, let's start here. This is a story of two teams with quarterbacks seemingly headed in different directions in Pitt's Keaton Slovis and Carolina's Drake May. What say you to that, my friend? Yeah, I mean, that's the story, right? Drake May looks like maybe you can argue the best quarterback in the ACC this year. Um, he looks phenomenal. I mean, and he's done so well with Phil Longo's offense, who I think is a really underrated offensive coordinator. Agreed. Um, yep. Just it's been, and it's not just been the Josh down show either this year. That was kind of the story of last year as like, who's can step up other than Josh downs, but yep. there's been some guys stepping up on Carolina's weapons groups Antoine Green um has been decent enough this year for Carolina so you have to kind of respect those That's guys right. and I think what it's done is it's really kind of opened up so much for Drake May both as a runner because he's another tough runner he's very like Sam Howlish to me as a runner um yeah. you know how Sam Howell was super Absolutely. tough and was like a bowling ball and tough to bring down and all that Drake May has a lot of those qualities too um, just with really more height player. yeah man he's just a tough player like like it's you legit. look at, at him and you can't help but be impressed. Drake May's got a great deep ball. He's got really good football smarts already. He's looking really, really good and kind of everything that you want in a passer right now. Drake May is, um, he takes care of the football. He only has thrown three picks. That's 24 touchdowns. Like that is really, really what you want. And he's been able to elevate this offense past what it would be. Um, so I think Drake May's been awesome this year. And, and I think that's been one of the really fun things to watch in the ACC has been what he's been able to do with his receivers. And so, you know, you have a, a good group now where you have, you know, J.J. Jones producing, you have Bryson Nesbitt, you have Kamari Morales. I mean, you have all these guys that are getting over 200 yards thus far this year. So you're spreading around the rock a little bit and there's Josh Downs, so you have to worry about the most obviously being that guy, but you got green is kind of your explosive threat. Who's averaging almost 30 yards per carry, which is, I mean, per catch, which is insane. Like <laughs> I mean, literally that is an insane stat. He has 13 receptions for 384 yards. I mean, <laughs> absurd, absurd stuff from Antoine green right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of what it is. And Drake may just taking full advantage of the weapons he's been given. And I think you have to really acknowledge that. But Keaton Slovis is kind of the story here. It's like just as good as Drake May's been, Keaton Slovis has been as disappointing, right? Keaton Slovis mm -hmm. is one of those guys who 
coming into the year, honestly, like we look at it and we say, man, he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC. Absolutely. Right. Like, absolutely. He was a, he was the freshman of the year in 2019. He was a first team all Pac 12 selection in 2020. Uh, 2021, he dealt with a lot of injuries. Jackson Dart came in, played really well. And so you thought, okay, maybe it was just injuries at that point. And Dart was the young guy who's playing really well. So Slovis is going to go to greener pastures and everything's going to work out, but it hasn't done that really. Uh, he, sh- he did a really good job at the end of the West Virginia game to lead him to a win. And then the first half against Tennessee. And that was when it looked like, okay, this is Keen Slovis. He's here. Keen Slovis is back. That's what everyone thought. And then he got concussed. And he missed a game against Western Michigan, came back, and he really hasn't looked the same. He looks skittish. Uh, he looks a little bit kind of off the radar right now. He's just not seeing defense as well, um, passing up easy reads and, and trying to be – he's super passive, and then when he gets mm. aggressive, he's missing obvious reads. Um, you go to the first interception against Louisville, it was a play-action rollout pass where – he had his guy wide open in the flat and decided to push into double coverage, and it was a pick. Um, and, I mean, that's inside the 20-yard line. That's a red zone opportunity that they just burst. Um, he's, that's been the one thing with Keen Slovis. Hasn't been that, okay, he's just killing drives. No, they're driving, and he's killing them with turnovers. That's been the mm. thing with Keen Slovis. He is killing them because he's turning the football over at a really, really high rate. And so Slovis has to get that together, man. He, does, he looks skittish in the pocket, doesn't look confident in his reads. He has the arm still, and from time to time, you'll see him just uncork an absolute unreal throw, and he'll do it once or twice a game, and and you know he can do it more. He did it against Tennessee and Hmm. in that second half against West Virginia a lot, and he's mobile enough, too, to make plays, but he doesn't really use it because, again, he looks timid. Um, He's just a guy that isn't playing well. He's not seeing the ball well, um, not reading coverage as well. He looks like he's scared to play the game of football right now, and (laughs) – that's the thing. I mean, he has five interceptions in the past three weeks, which is just wow. not acceptable enough. And so, you know, he did have three touchdowns against Georgia Tech, but two of those were really in garbage time. So I mean, he's really been really bad. And he's been hurting this team a lot. And so I don't know. Pitt's not asking Keaton Slovis to be Kenny Pickett. And obviously that's the big thing. But listen, he's just had to not be awful. And he really has been recently. And I think that's been the, the key here uh, with Keen Slovis. He's really dragged Pitt down um, with his play. It just has not been up to standard. So who knows? Maybe they look for another quarterback here in Nick Patty or Nate Yernell. Um, We'll see if that happens. But if he struggles again, it would not surprise me. Um, but Isaac, there's weapons here to worry about on both Pitt and North Carolina. I talked about Josh Downs a little bit. You could talk about Josh Downs too, but also Pitt – the reason they are four and three right now in a lot of ways is they're fantastic running back. It's just real Danny Candid. This dude, insane, yes. Yeah, and so uh, with some of Carolina's weapons, I think everyone knows Josh Downs, and we'll talk about – I know Nick's going to talk about the matchup there with what we think are two NFL guys going at each other um, in in, when Carolina has the ball, and so that's going to be fun. Nick will talk about that in a little bit. And so since we all know about him, let me add on to a couple other guys just for the for the pit crew to be uh, watching out for. Uh, you spoke about Antoine Green. He missed the first three games of the season with a collarbone injury suffered in the preseason, came back against Notre Dame, and has had multiple touchdowns of over 50 yards in that span. And so he has been, as you said, this incredible deep threat to help, help take some of the load 
off of what Josh Downs is doing in the slot or when he splits out. And so, man, that one-two punch has been really, really helpful and productive for Drake May. The other thing, and you referenced a couple of the tight ends, Carolina has three tight ends that any of whom can be strong pass-catching tight ends. It's Kamari Morales that starts, but another player who you mentioned, Bryson Nesbitt, is actually the more probably versatile and NFL-ready of the tight ends. Um, he often splits out wide and uh, has some other things of that nature. And so Drake May is looking for him as an athletic, almost wide receiver, tight end hybrid kind of player. Um, interesting dichotomy for the Tar Heels versus Pitt is while you got everything you need out of the backfield with Izzy, um, the Tar Heels are really trying to find who is going to be their running back. When you look at the ACC running back uh, standings right now, um, I, I had it pulled up a minute ago. I must have taken it away. You've got Vanakanda at what, like 959 yards, the easily the far and away the highest player in the ACC. And you scroll down. Number 10 in the ACC is Carolina's leading rusher, a guy named Drake May. And so Carolina doesn't even have a running back leading their team in rushing yards right now. And that that is a bit of an issue. In fact, at times, the most productive running back has been true freshman Omarion Hampton, who wasn't even an early enrollee. He didn't come till this summer and has started several games. So you're looking for this running back rotation of Omarion Hampton. Caleb Hood, and then we've started to see an afterthought, a guy named Elijah Green mix in a little bit. So that's something to watch out that Pitt might be able to exploit there in the running game. Talk to us more about Izzy. Let's hear it, Nick. Yeah, and special, special speed. I mean, that's the big thing with Izzy. You talk about Antoine Green being a home run hitter from, you know, wide receiver position. Just go to the Virginia Tech game and you'll see – what a home run hitter Israel Banny Canda is. And, and it's not just against Western Michigan or Rhode Island where he has great games. He did. 320 yards against Virginia Tech, another great game. Look at what he did against Tennessee. Tennessee has shut down just about every running back they have faced this year. They didn't shut down Izzy. Izzy broke off a 79-yard touchdown very early in that game. He's He's got special track speed. Once he gets in the open field and he gets a crease, you're not catching him. Um, you have to have crazy athletes to catch Israel Banny Canda. He is – a real all-around back, too. So he's a three-down back. He's a pretty good pass protector. He's really grown into that role. He's got soft hands, so he'll come out of the backfield and make that happen. Screen plays. Man, he had a dynamic screen pass um, catch against Louisville where he took a 39 yards and broke four or five tackles on the way that doing special. it. That was special. Um, and, and, man, listen, if Slovis – I'll tell you what. It was in the fourth quarter when it was still 14-10, to 10, and – Slowest threw the ball behind Izzy. If he puts it out in front of him, he's gone. He would have been an 80-yard touchdown. Um, and, and that's the special type of speed you have in Izzy. And the thing I'll say about this is, you know, it's not just a one-man backfield. It has been this year, but that's only because Rodney Hammond's been hurt. And Rodney mm -hmm. Hammond is the number two um, on this pit team. The one game where you look at Israel Bandicam's production where he really didn't do anything was against West Virginia. Hammond was the guy that did. He's more of a, of a hard tooth and nail type of runner that just comes and bangs you. And he's a smaller dude though. He's a five foot eight, maybe two ten guy, hard runner, really quick, um, really decisive. Pitt pulled out a, a wildcat formation last week where um where Hammond was the quarterback and Abanicanda was the running back. So I would expect that to be a thing where you have to defend um that, especially when you look at North Carolina's run defense. Um just not very impressive right now. So I would imagine that's the kind of what they're doing right now with the lack of confidence in Keaton Slovis. Um, use your running backs. And, and Hammond's a really good one, too. 
And Izzy obviously is so great just because he's got the vision, got the speed. He is not a super quick player, I wouldn't say. I think he's a little kind of stiff laterally, but he doesn't really need to use his lateral ability because he's just so fast and he's big enough. Like he was a track state, uh, he was a state winning track star in New York wow. City. Wow. Um, so I mean, he is he is a truly special speed athlete. Um, so that is gonna be the biggest thing. Trying to shut him down, it's really just shooting the gaps. You've got to get him before he can get to the line of scrimmage and more. Because he will also run forward and, and run tough. He's five foot eleven, two twenty, all of it, and has a very thick lower body. So he'll he'll keep going, man. And that's been the really kind of impressive thing about Izzy is just he's a very good all around full uh, running back that has a really good fullback too, and Daniel Carter that leads the way for him. So yeah, Pitt's a pro style offense. They're a bit of a different style than probably you'll ever see um, again this year, but they do it because Israel Panikanda is so good at what he does. <laughs> Absolutely. And what we want to do, folks, is unpack some more, some of those key matchups. How will the Tar Heels work at trying to stop a Banacanda? How will Pitt work at trying to slow down Drake May and Josh Downs and company? We're going to unpack that in just a second after I tell you about sweat block. Man, Pamela would hide in that office bathroom every 30 minutes or so to dry off her armpits so no one would see the wet circles forming under her arms. Well, thanks to sweat block, she's finally got her life back. Why? Because she was able to fix her problem with sweat block, which gives you the confidence to wear what you want without embarrassing underarm sweat or body odor. In fact, the sweat block wipes were recent, recently featured and tested on the Rachel ratio by firefighters, and it worked for them. If it works for them in that environment, it works anywhere, including the frigid cold of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You don't even need it there, but whatever. So folks, if you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon. All right, so Nick, let, let's unpack some of these matchups that we think are going to be key to this game. Let, let, let's start by you talking about how uh, th this matchup we referenced earlier when Josh Downs is in the slot looking to make money happen. Yeah, this is the big question. Josh Downs lines up a lot in the slot, and that's been the one thing you look at Josh Downs that he really wins at. He wins down the field. He wins pretty much at all levels of the field, but he does it from the slot at a really, really high rate, and he's a really good football player. But Pitt also has one of the best free safeties and quite honestly one of the best defensive backs right now in the – conference and maybe in the country uh, in Eric Hallett. He is just right. having a true breakout season. Um, we didn't really know what he was going to be this year. Um, and then he kind of came out last year, had a very rocky year, finished it really strong, had that two-pick game in the ACC championship game um, against Wake Forest that really kind of solidified it. And this year, he's just gone off. I mean – He's he's been targeted 30 times, has only allowed nine receptions and wow. less than 75 yards. Um, that is the lowest PFF has charted of all defensive backs. That is the lowest amount of yards allowed um, in the slot this year. He has been extremely good. So Josh Downs, for a guy that has been so productive in the slot, I mean, you look at how many times he's played in the slot. He's played 228 times in the slot compared to only 83 times out wide. He's going to be your guy. This is this is mano y mano. Um, this is going to be who can win. And, and for Eric Hallett, this is going to be a state in the game for how much he's come along. But I'll tell you another guy that, that they faced who played in the slot a lot. That was Jalen Hyatt at, at, at Tennessee. And 
Hyatt didn't do really anything um, against Eric Hallett. And they had to move him around to get him away. Um, and, and that's been the big thing all year long. Eric Hallett has been so dependable. He's not the fastest. And I think that's where Downs can maybe get him up with um, down the field. He's not fast, but he's super smart. He's a really good tackler. And he's got mm-hmm. ball skills for days. This guy is a certified ball hawk. Um, <laughs> when you watch Eric Hallett, man, he's just got a nose for that football. And I think that's one of my favorite things about Eric Hallett is his just sense of awareness for the football. And he has such a, a keen kind of eye for quarterbacks. He just understands what's going on and where he should be. I mean, he has three interceptions on the year. He has seven pass deflections. Um, this is a guy that gets targeted a lot at still, and teams go at him, and usually they're punished for it. And so Eric Hallett is the big one to watch here, but I would not be surprised if Josh Downs gets one up on him because I think Josh Downs is that good, um, yeah. quite frankly. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening there. But Isaac, I want you to now talk about Izzy. We've talked about Izzy. We've talked about Hammond too. But if North Carolina <laughs> wants to slow down this pit offense a little bit on the ground, you're you're looking at the, the Tar Heel linebackers here to maybe step up. Yeah, I, I think that's a huge matchup and in, in the one I'm watching for. You talked about earlier the, the Carolina run defense isn't uh, hasn't been all that productive. Let's just take the word run out of that. The Carolina defense hasn't been all that productive this year as a whole. And so I, I think one of the honestly, one of the best ways to keep Josh Downs and Drake May off the field is just to control the clock and to control the ball using Izzy. Now, one of the things about Carolina where they have worked at to some success is in the linebacking core. Gene Chizik's scheme is a four, two, five, where you've just got two linebackers. One of the, one of the linemen is like, is a Jack position. It's kind of that D end outside linebacker hybrid. And that's Noah Taylor. Who's a Virginia transfer, but your linebacking core is Cedric gray and power Eccles. One of my favorite names in college football, power Eccles. Um, and these two guys are the only um, defensive duo in all of FBS who both average at least 9.4 tackles a game. They're one of just two, uh, one of just two duos in all of power five who combine for 20 tackles a game. And so you love to see what they're doing, but it's got to start up front with those four on the line. Carolina has had some issues getting into the backfield this year, whether it's um, in, in run or pass um, to free things up. And I mean, the question is, are they getting all those tackles just because they're that incredible or because other people are not tackling well? And honestly, it's a little bit of both, Nick, if we're being honest about that, but with somebody like a, a Bannock Canada, they're going to have to have so much lane discipline, have to get off of blocks and get into the backfield. As you said, if they get past the line and into that second level, uh, bye-bye, see you later, pits on the scoreboard. Um, and so for Eccles and Gray, that means getting up and into the backfield while not uh, falling for any of that misdirection that might be happening, especially if they do go uh, to some of those different um matchups trying to get Slovis maybe out of the way a little bit sometimes and so if if there is some of that wildcat what that what is that going to mean for what Pitt is able to do offensively and so um, this is going to be huge for me is to watch the matchup of Carolina's linebacking core of Cedric Gray and Power Eccles trying to slow down in some way you can't stop him but slow down Mr. Israel Abanacanda. 
Yeah, and the pit offensive line is a, a solid unit. I wouldn't call it a great unit. It's a good run blocking unit. Um, they lost Carter Warren, their left tackle for the season due to torn meniscus, which is a loss. But Branson Taylor, his backup has filled in nicely. Um, so they they run block well. Um, that has been one of the big things in the the times that Keenan Slovis has looked decent in the past few weeks has been when the run game really works. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't looked great even when it's working, which is kind of an indictment on it, but he looks better obviously when teams have to get sucked up by play action and he can just toss it behind them. And that's when my X factor kind of pulls us all together. I think Gavin Bartholomew, the, the Pittsburgh tight end is kind of the X factor in all of this. Um, if Pitt can get the run game going, I think they can maybe hit some big plays behind the linebackers with him. And that's been one of the things they've done this year is they've gotten him involved at times against Tennessee. That's what happened um, is he had the big run the next drive. They come out and it's a big time touchdown to Bartholomew where he hurdles a defender. So we'll see what ends up happening, but we're going to go into predictions. We're going to recap this all. We're going to bring it kind of all together. Maybe some stuff we haven't talked about yet. We'll bring it all. We'll bring it all together. But first <laughs> folks, I want to let you know for your second listen today, after you watch this locked on crossover edition between North Carolina and Pitt. You need to check out Locked On Sports today because from the games that matter to the most and biggest stories and athletes in the game, you can go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only the Locked On Now network can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on the app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast, folks. Make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. That's great stuff over there. They do great work. Yes, absolutely. And we're continuing to talk Pitt UNC here, Chapel Hill action at night, 8 o'clock, if you guys want to check that out. Um, but, Isaac, I want to talk about just some, just give me some stuff we haven't mentioned yet. What's the key that maybe is lurking in the background that you could put money on right now and say, okay, this is maybe what you aren't talking about, but it could make a difference. Yeah. Um, I'm, <clears throat> there's two different ways I'm thinking to go with that. One of which you just talked about Pitt's offensive line. Carolina gets uh, one of their offensive starters, offensive lineman starters back this week who had been out the past couple weeks. And so you've got that unit back intact. Uh, they've had, they've not been perfect, but they've been solid. Kind of what you said, there've been two games this season where Carolina hasn't allowed any sacks. And so if if that offensive line can continue um, to grow and develop together under the leadership of center Corey Gaynor, who's a Miami transfer, um, then uh, things can go really well. Now, um, as opposed to what you were saying about, we've talked about Keaton Slovis causing some of his own sacks. Uh, I think that's something that one of my critiques of Sam Howell often was that, that Sam Howell tried to do too much because he could usually, but would lead to him holding onto the ball too long. Drake may has not done that. And so I think I'm really curious to see what kind of time the offensive line can give Drake may how he continues to progress. Um, But the other thing I want to point out that a lot of people um, probably might not think about with the running game of Pitt is that Carolina's secondary has really struggled this season. Uh, You've got your starting cornerbacks in Tony Grimes and Storm Duck, another great game, great name in college football. And uh, I just want to see them uh, continue to communicate and find cohesion in the defensive secondary. If not, Carolina could allow Keaton Slovis to have a Heisman type day yeah that would be obviously great for pit fans if slovis in the passing game 
start to get clicking now. I'll say that. I think this is something that we haven't seen Pitt do in a while, and Pitt hasn't really broken out in the passing game since Tennessee, since Slovis was last healthy. And if they can find some of that magic that they had in the second half against West Virginia and the first half against Tennessee, this Pitt team becomes a lot more dangerous. I'll say this about Pitt. Talented football team. Very flawed right now. Mm. Very, very, very flawed. Mm. Because of their quarterback, the receivers haven't played with a ton of consistency. And that's been another thing about the passing game. When Slovis has sometimes been on, the receivers aren't helping him. Um, Mm. Pitt losing Jordan Addison is a big-time issue, and we have seen it all year long. Jaden Bradley, a young sophomore who was really productive, entered the transfer portal in midseason, so they don't have him anymore. They've been banged up. Um, we don't even know who's going to play for Pitt right now, wide receiver-wise, <laughs> because they're so banged up in that room. Now, Jared Wayne will play. He's their dependable wide receiver one, so he will be here. Kanade Mumfield will play. He's a transfer from Akron, who was a freshman All-American last year. He's been inconsistent thus far this year, but he's had flashes of wow. Um, so if he can put it together, maybe they can get the breakout game they've been waiting for from Kanade Mumfield. But their three is Bub Means, who's a Louisiana Trek transfer, who's kind of their explosive downfield guy. He got hurt pregame last week, didn't really play much. Gavin Thompson, his backup, then got hurt in the game. So it's Jalen Barton, who is a junior explosive player who really wins down the field but is super inconsistent with drop issues. And kind of that behind him, we haven't seen Miles Alston. We haven't seen Addison Copeland. We haven't seen Shane Wobico. Those last two, Copeland and Wobico, are freshmen. Um, So – the wide receiver room of Pitt is kind of the X factor I'm looking for here um, with that. Uh, I also want to look at another thing on Pitt's defense in that that the defense has played pretty well. Um, Pitt's defense has been really solid thus far this year. Um, and they're, they're really it's their issue on defense has been their linebackers. Um, they haven't really found consistency in the linebacker room, and they've kind of been working around um, – rotating guys in the different spots and feels like they finally found their starting three, which is Sarasia Dennis, Shane Simon, who is a Notre Dame transfer and Tyler Wilts, who's a Missouri state transfer and Wilts and Simon have kind of stepped in and played a really high level. And mm-hmm. so it feels like they're starting to find kind of a groove there, but the, that was really last week where we saw them finally hit the groove. So the question is going to be, is this real or is it a one game wonder? Um, and then the defensive line for Pitt is kind of the other X factor. I, I have to mention because Kalaja Kansi is a really good player. Habakkuk Baldonado, you want to talk about great names in college football? Habakkuk Baldonado will qualify for that. But Pitt has a lot of vets just on that unit that have kind of been waiting to break out. Baldonado had his best game of the year uh, against Louisville. Kansi has been a monster this year. Um, he's pretty much been on all the, the All-American list thus far. Explosive defensive tackle in the middle. So I'm interested to see if Pitt can kind of break down that UNC defensive line and maybe get to Drake May Drake May is going to get his, but I wonder yeah. if they can get to him one, Enough. two, three yep. times, and maybe, yep. you know, yep. maybe force a fumble and, and kind of flip the, the script on that. Um, so I, I think that's going to be the big thing. Pitt's going to have to be in the plus turnover battle here. Keaton Slows is going to have to take care of the football. Um, but all right, Isaac, let's get to the big reveal time. Big time reveal time. You know what it is. It's prediction <laughs> time. I'm going to throw it to you first. Okay. The home team, you get to, if you will. <laughs> Throw it out first. What do you think? Yes. Well, it is the home team, and it is homecoming for North Carolina this weekend. Let's Looking back quickly at this series, Pitt's won the last two. 
Carolina had won the six prior to that. The last 10 meetings are one possession games, Nick, all the way back to October of 98 to get a score of bigger than or a game that had bigger uh, than a one score margin. That is insane to me. And honestly, I don't expect any different in this one. Both these teams really, I, I know Carolina has the better record, but still trying to find their way, especially defensively. Uh, looking at Bet Online, which is our uh, betting sponsor here on Locked On Network, the game is Carolina minus three with an over/under of 65. And honestly, I'm going right down the middle with a push on that. I'm going to take uh, Carolina 45, Pitt 42. I just feels like a high-scoring affair to me. And so, obviously, with that high scoring of a game, I am definitely going with the over. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I remember last year when it was Sam Howe versus Kenny Pickett, and everyone thought it was going to be a shootout. And it ended up being a sloppy game that ended up going to overtime and not did not end up being a high-scoring game. No. And I'll tell you what. It was raining, right? Wasn't it raining yeah. really bad? Um, it, yeah. it rained really bad at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, oh, that's yeah, the heavens like, just opened overtime up on, started. That's right. Yeah, the heavens just opened up on Sam Howell and, and – <laughs> Obviously, Pitt then ended up winning on that, and then Kenny Pickett uh, ripped yeah. the ball through to Lucas Kroll and all that. I remember that game very vividly. Yeah. Um. But to me, Pitt right now is a really flawed team, and their quarterback can't be trusted. If their quarterback could be trusted, I could predict something like an upset. Now, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe this is a game where they can completely get away with just riding Hammond and Abani Kanda. I just don't think you can do that in the ACC, though. I think you have to have a multi-layered attack at some point. Yeah. Keaton Slovis at some point in this game is going to have to make the play. And he hasn't made the play in recent weeks. I don't know why I would trust him. I think, again, Pitt's defense is good. I think that they might force a turnover or two uh, on, defense, on defense. I think maybe Eric Hallett snatches one off Drake May. Something like that. I could see it happening. Pitt is a really ball hawk, kind of centric defense. And they have a good front. Um, but it's inconsistent at the second level. They're still finding their footing. Um, and so it, it's a it's a defense that allows explosive plays too. I mean, they only play cover zero quarters. That is what they mm -hmm. do. That is a Pat Nergy scheme. So Drake May, Antoine Green, Josh Downs, all those guys, they're going to get theirs. Um, there's going to be points put up here. I actually, probably boldly, I'm taking the under um, on the, okay. the point total. I, I actually think this ends up being a little bit more of a slog I think Pitt ends up controlling a bit of the time of possession in this one. I think that they will find success with Izzy in them. Um, but I just don't trust Keaton Slovis to make the play when he needs to. I think UNC wins. I think it'll be close. But I'll take UNC 31, say 21. Um, and maybe they get you know an extra touchdown on a pick six or something like that from Keaton Slovis. I just can't trust Slovis right now to predict an upset. <laughs> Love it. Okay, you have heard our predictions. I'm over. Nick is under. I've got a higher score. Uh, Nick, a lower. Carolina covering in Nick's and the push in mine. Going to be a fun time in Keenan Stadium Saturday night in Chapel Hill. Thank you so much for joining Nick Fairbaugh and myself, Isaac Shade, for this crossover edition of Locked on Tar Heels and Locked on Pit. Well, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. My thanks to Nick Fairbaugh from Locked on Pit for joining us for this crossover episode. Coming up tomorrow, we got a couple previews. North Carolina's men's basketball exhibition game is Friday night, and we're going to do a North Carolina-specific pre preview of the Carolina Pit game. 
You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels, and you can follow me at Isaac Shade. Thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen. And for your next listen, make sure to check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reaction, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your Thursday hanging out with me and Nick and talking about this matchup. And I want to remind you that it is always a great day to be a target. Until tomorrow, peace.